Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. A Christmas story interview with Yano Anaya. Ha, we have the star of the show with us here today. I hunted him down. Actually, my friend hunted him down. And I am so delighted, Yano, that you're on the show to share with us visionary stuff, inspiration, joy, and some of your story, you know, because it's really an amazing, fascinating life that you have had up to this point and that you're creating moving forward. So thank you for coming on Someone Gets Me and being part of this amazing community of visionary gifted people around the world. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> this is so Very fun. So, um, if you're listening to this show and you've not seen A Christmas Story, you probably want to see A Christmas Story because yeah. four of the cast members are on this, this show in a row. So you will learn about them and A Christmas Story. But more than that, you will learn about who they are as people, as creators, as visionaries, as gifted people. Because there's more to them than the one character you see in one movie. <laughs> Much more to them. But there is a common thread that they all came together in this great film. So first, I would like to ask you, how did you get involved in A Christmas Story? You're a child. Like, were you already in entertainment? Was it your first time? Like, how did all that, like, happen for you? Like, what was the story? Great question. <laughs> so... You know how the unfolding of life happens. My sister, Katie Kurtzman, who um, started her acting career in Miami, I would say back in the late 60s. So when my family decided to move from Miami to California in 76, I was about four years old. Mm -hmm. And since my sister was already in the industry and she was pushing my mom to like, come on, mom, we're in Hollywood. Like we live 15 minutes from where everything is happening. I want to be a star. That's what my sister wanted to do. And she was nine years old. And so she got an agent and she got a manager. And within her, her second audition, she got a job. And so my mom was like, wow, that was a lot easier than Miami. Okay, well, great. So mm -hmm. because I'm a little toddler, she has to take me with her everywhere, right? And so she's like, why am, why am I not just taking them both and pushing them both into drama classes and take classes? And, and so that's what I did at four and a half, about four and a half years old, I started acting classes and it was so much fun. I loved it and got me the same manager, Tammy Lynn, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just, that's how I, how my journey on the acting career happened was that I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. <laughs> and so it was my mom's decision. And so I just started getting a, a lot of commercials as a child. I had a lot of commercials, a lot of commercials. And um, until I got my first audition for a feature film, which was like super exciting. I remember I was like 10 years old and, you know, I'm in fifth grade and it was just like the highlight. And I was chorus, you know, being in the industry, doing a lot of commercials, being very used to 
what your job is and then also being very used to going to school on set because that's part of the process. I was actually really nervous. And um, when I went to this audition, it was literally a cattle call. I mean, I, I was so nervous that there were 300 other kids there. I was, and it was like in a gymnasium. I, it, was like, it was like watching a basketball game happen. And so, um, you know, I did my thing and I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, there's no way, I'm, there's just way, there's just no way. I'm, there's 300 other kids and got a call back. It's like, what? And you know, back in the, back in those days, I gotta be honest with you, there were no cell phones. Right. So it was like, I couldn't wait. It was like every day I was like running home and check the answering machine. No callback. Third day, got a callback. Oh my God. It's so exciting. So I went on the callback and there was, a little bit less than half of the kids there. I'm like, oh my God, like all these kids in the callback. Usually when you go to a callback, there's like three or four other kids there. No, there was like 70. And so I'm like, oh man, okay, well, you know, let's do my thing. And you know, I, I was, it's like back then, it was like my, my, my acting classes were just about being more of who I already was. It wasn't about like a structured learning tactics and skill sets. And it was just really about, allowing myself to be who I am without any kind of, um, fear, I should say. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I went on the, the, uh, second call back. And when I got to the room, there was Bob Clark, Gene Shepard, um, and a couple of the producers. And I read my lines and Bob Clark loved me. He's like, you're hired. You're Grover Dill for Christmas story. And I'm like, awesome. And then Bob was like, one condition, you have to cut all your hair off. And because I, I was 10 and I had never cut my hair. So my hair was like huge, beautiful, blonde curls. And I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not cutting my hair off. I'm not doing it. Literally, I said no to the job. And my mom, and this is like within, Bob had a conversation with my mom. He says, if he's not willing to cut his hair off, then I have to hire somebody else. And so my mom had a hard time. <laughs> she was literally like, listen here, son, you are your hair grows back. Like it's going to come back. You're not ever going to not have hair anymore. And so of course I agreed to it an hour and a half later, kicking and screaming. And, and um, so that's when I, I got hired. That was my, that's my little story about getting hired in a Christmas story. Wow. Gosh, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. That was awesome. And that was, that was the, uh, that was my journey as a 10 year old. So was it everything you thought it was going to be when you were so excited to get on a, on a feature film and as the work started and you guys all had to do everything, was it what you thought it was going to be or, or how was that part of it? It was actually more than what I thought it was going to be. And, and I, I got to tell you the reason for that is because this is going to be the first time I'm getting on a plane to travel somewhere to do a job. Right. So I had to go to Cleveland um, from California Right. And then because we were in Cleveland for a, a couple of weeks and it didn't snow, we had to move the whole cast to Canada because that's where the snow was. It was like freezing in Canada. And so my experience of what it meant or how well they take care of the actors was amazing to me. Remember back in those days, it was just way before the Patriot Act, right? Way before TSA. And, um, you know, when, you, when we got on this big Delta plane, we were in first class. And first class was a very different experience back then. It literally, you had your own chef. 
So the chef would bring through this big metal cart and open it up and there'd be all this fresh food and vegetables and you, he would just slice it in front of you and put it on your plate and, you know, they're bringing people champagne. And of course I had apple juice and, you know, the pilot would come out and he would meet all the kids and give them all their wings. And, you know, I mean, it was just such a, it was such a very different experience of flying than it is today. You know what I mean? Back then it was, it was like a, it was a different experience. It, I got to say it was very elevated than what it is today. Today it's like cold and, you know, people are doing their thing and they're shuffling and you never see the pilot and except for you hear his or her voice. And, and um, uh, so it, once we got to Cleveland, you know, they pick you up in a limo and they took you to the hotel and anything and everything that you wanted. And, and then when you got to, you know, the set, it was like, Bob was just like, he was so good at being not only a great human, but he was just so good at communicating with uh, any kind of level of personality. Like he could, he knew, he knew how to change his state of mind and mindset and consciousness to be able to deal with different levels of people, whether it be Gene, who's a really good friend, or turn around and also talk to Peter or Scott or myself. And, you know, it was just, it was amazing. Even at 10 years old, which it didn't really comprehend to me back then, but it was amazing to watch his ability to really understand how to shift himself to be able to communicate well with, with being with people. Wow. That is, that's a real big gift. You know, that's yes. a real talent and yes. to be able to shift and move you know, like seamlessly right yes. on the spot with all the different people present that, you yes. know, that's, that's really amazing. And it's great that you were able to see it and you were 10. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. So fast forward a little bit of your life because now you do something, you know, different, right? Tell us a little bit about Yano's life. Particularly what I would like you to, to kind of, mention are ways you've handled different obstacles or challenges that have come into your path that maybe you weren't expecting. And what have you done to overcome those things that could have slowed you down or could have stopped you and you were able to persevere and keep moving? That's, there's, um, there's a lot of them. So I would say we can start back when I was about 18. 18, 19 years old. After my last gig <clears throat> of uh, the Blue Iguana, which was actually, you know, most people don't know this, but the Blue Iguana was a movie that was directed by uh, John Lafia. And um, there was uh, Flea, Pamela Gidley. Um, Oh man, uh, there's some other really big actors, but now I can Dean, Dean Stockwell, uh, Jessica Harper. Uh, there was a lot of big uh, Dylan McDermott. And so there was, there was a, a really nice cast doing this movie, which was filmed in Mexico. And um, lo and behold, when I went to my callback, guess who showed up as the other person that I was actually going against for this role? Scott Schwartz. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> my buddy from a, from a Christmas story. Right. Because we all got along very well. Right. And I was like, Scotty, what are you doing here? I was like, Oh my God. Like you're going for this role too. Awesome. May the best man win. Right. So it was like, you know, we always, we always have these, these relationships when, when we're growing up as kids we're going on auditions all the time, we, we see each other all the time. 
like Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, um, you know, Seth Green, you know, all of us were kids when we were going, when we were growing up doing all these commercials with each other. And so when he showed up to that callback, I was like, oh yes. It was like, it was more of like a, a fun thing than it was like, oh my God, like Scott Schwartz is going to, I have to go against. And it was never like that kind of vibe. It was, it was very positive between all of us. Because work was work, you know what I mean? And whoever, we understood that if you got cast for a specific role, it wasn't, it was just because we fit into the role, right? So remember that writers, directors, producers, uh, that their jobs is to make sure that what your character is fits into the rest of the character. And you have to look and feel and, you know, all that, that stuff. So there's a lot that goes behind it. And I had got the role. And so that was my last gig. Now, after that, 15, 16, 17, 18, graduated high school, working two, three jobs, started college, uh, trying to exercise every day because exercise was like part of my life, my, my whole life. And I just got run down because my auditions, like I was getting one, two, three auditions a week and I was never landing a job. Like in four years, I never landed a job. And then in 1994, is when the earthquake hit in Chatsworth, California. Mm -hmm. And this was a very scary part of my life because it destroyed the house that I lived in. And I was in LA by myself. My mom had already moved back to Florida and my sisters moved back to Florida. So I was the only one back in, in LA. And uh, I had to make a, it was like, it was scary. I had to make a decision on what I was gonna do. And I didn't wanna be in LA anymore because it just felt like the earthquake made it kind of sealed the deal where nothing was really moving forward for me there anymore. So I packed up my stuff and moved to Vegas. <laughs> and that was only because my best friend from third grade that we've known each other our entire lives, he moved to Vegas to live closer to his dad um, when we were in high school. And so he said, man, just come on. I got a room for you. So I went, went to Vegas. So that was my first challenge was dealing with the earthquake. I don't know if anybody has ever been through an earthquake before, but earthquakes are a challenge to where now I have a, it's been a long time, you know what I mean? Since 94, but whenever I feel the earth or I, I can almost feel the change in the, in the magnetism of the earth before an earthquake happens, you know how most like most animals will, will recognize a change and they, you know, they, they're on a stance ready to, to move. I can almost feel it when it actually comes down as if I'm sleeping. When I'm sleeping, I'm gone. And so this fear of the earth becoming movable or liquid underneath my feet is something that is always prevalent in my mind. So that was the first challenge that I got over because I, you know, I think that um, not address the possibility of having PTSD from that, right? right. Because it's a possibility of you know, any kind of traumatic experience you have in your life most of us don't recognize that we actually need to deal with it. Like we have to deal with it because if we don't really address those emotions and walk ourselves through them or have help doing that, then it's something that we is, is in ourselves. Like it's in our body. And until we address it, then we can't never shift that, that energy. And so that was my first challenge. And then my second challenge was after being in Vegas for a while, I, I actually got invited to do, the very first Christmas story convention, which was in 2006. And um, 
Scott Schwartz had reached out to me and said, Hey man, you know, we, we've been going to these conventions and doing autograph signings for the last couple of years and we couldn't find you. We didn't know where you were, but now I found you. Do you want to come with us? I was like, absolutely. Like how fun is that to be able to go to some place where there's a bunch of crazy fun people and they want to come there and actually pay you for an autograph. I was like, that's a different experience. Okay, cool. Let's do that. So, um, that first experience was in October of 2006 at the Chiller Show in New Jersey. And that weekend I met literally thousands of people that, that proved to me, that showed me, that made me have a different understanding of, about how, how this movie has webbed itself into people's lives and their homes during Christmas time. I mean, I knew TBS, you know, put it on, uh, you know, on, on the TV for 24 hours for like the first 12 days before Christmas. And, um, but you know, for me, it was like Christmas story was nothing until that time until like 1996 from 83. It was like, not a big deal because it, it, it bombed. And so, um, when I really had a firsthand experience of the love that people have for this movie and, in the, the, the relatability, so the, the ability of not only them, but their families, how they can relate to all the characters and the way that this whole movie plays out, it intrigued me a lot. Like I was blown away at how much people really loved this movie and loved it so much that, you know, I, I would have people walk up to me and say, oh my God, I hated you in that movie. And I was like, I did my job. You know what I mean? That was my job. It's for you to hate me. I'm the little Cody. You know what I mean? And so that was a great experience that people still recognize me as that person that was like, Oh, oh my God, there's the little toadies. He just popped out of the trash can. Oh my God. And so that was so exciting for me that, <clears throat> that it resonated with people and it's, and it's a part of their life for like years. And so, um, you know, I didn't really think about it, but that was the first weekend. And meaning think about it in the long term, right? Because this was like a new revelation for me. Now, one of the, one of the, the biggest things that happened to me that very first weekend was that um, I met my wife that weekend. Nice. And she was a fan, right? And her best friend actually introduced us. And when I met her, I was like, <sighs> wow. Like this woman is just drop dead gorgeous, amazing. And she's shorter than I am because I'm a little guy. And so I, um, I initiated the process of me stalking her in a, in a very positive way. Right. right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I intrigued her. I got her attention and we communicated. And two years later, we ended up married in Puerto Rico. And so, um, that was a great experience living on an island uh, in tranquility in the, in the rainforest. And we did that for about 18 months. And then we moved back to um, uh, Atlanta. That's where we are now, back to Atlanta. And because of, well, I could, I could back it up because I, I, I started my career as a personal trainer back in Vegas as well. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of escalated over a period of time. And then I, you know, when we moved to Puerto Rico, I couldn't really, do that uh, there. And plus we were just like kind of burning through our savings, just really enjoying life. 
And so when we moved back to um, the United States, we landed in Atlanta and we both got jobs at the Atlanta School of Massage, which was uh, like the first massage school in Atlanta because my wife, she's a naturopath doctor. And so she's got a very deep background when it comes to the human sciences. And so she taught, she was a professor of health sciences and the owner of the school approached me about creating a personal training school. And so that was like, wow, okay, that's a different path than what I was, what I thought I was going to go down. So I got hired as the director of education for the Atlanta personal trainer program. And that's when my career as a, I would say more of a, mentor, role model, school teacher, and then of course the director side of managing, you know, uh, employees, or I should say my instructors kind of, it, it, it just kind of took off. And so it was a, a, just a wonderful experience to be able to meet people who have a love for exercise and eating healthy. And it's like, I didn't have to I didn't have to change people's minds or help them change their own lifestyles or support them through the process. They were actually coming to me because they wanted it. And so it was a different experience of that side of, of the industry. And so I mean, when you start doing something that demands you to be better of who you already are, you start learning a lot about what you don't know. And so, um, <laughs> That's the truth. right. And so I learned just so much, not only about myself, but about my body and about other people and about the general public. And, you know, it's just, it was such a great learning experience. And I did that for almost seven years. And then that's when I made a decision to open up my own body sculpting studio. So that is, was my next journey, which was a huge challenge. I don't know if anybody out there has, is an entrepreneur or has owned their own business. But when you go from employee status to entrepreneur, nobody ever teaches you that you literally need to have a very specific skill set when it comes to understanding how to balance your life and balance your energy and balance where you want to shift and how to designate your energy. Because if you don't, if you're not already married, that's great because you can focus all on, you know, your business. But if you are married and you are looking at a family, then you have to, you have to be able to diversify and delineate and designate and really shift yourself and not allow your professional life to pour into your personal life. And that happened. And so I, I got caught up in the business aspect of being an entrepreneur, which I absolutely loved uh, for the first two years until my personal relationship kind of, you know, started deteriorating and um, with my wife. And so when it came down to about the three year mark, um, COVID hit, which that was a very also a very different experience that we were all going through i mean worldwide and so i had to really make a decision on what i wanted to do like well, i don't you know it's like i i'm i'm being forced to close my business which being forced to close my business forced me to have to close the business like i literally had to go through bankruptcy and let that go and through that whole process um, I also had to find a balance where I also had to be able to separate myself from my wife and do it in a fashion where we can at least still be friends 
and cordial and just having an understanding that we were not, or at least I wasn't showing up to that side of my life that was needed to be there. And so that was a huge transition for me, very painful, you know, but that's, you know, a lot of people go through divorces and people lose businesses. And, and um, so that was something that I got to experience. And so when it came down, and this was a year prior is when Christmas Story Family actually happened. Now, how that spawned before I actually closed my, my gym was that who we are and how we think about ourselves, what we come to believe about ourselves, what we've come to believe. I had, I always hired business coaches. Like if, if in business or as a, as anybody who wants to become healthy, you know, the best thing to do is, is hire a professional. I mean, if, when you, when something breaks underneath your grounds and it's a plumbing, I mean, you don't want to try to, you know, dig it in yourself. You hire a professional, right? <laughs> or, or your tooth gets loose. You know I mean? You got a cavity. You don't want to try to do it yourself. You need to go to a dentist and have somebody who's a professional to help you. So when it comes to business, I always, I would always surround myself by people that were smarter than I am. Because I was always taught if if you are the smartest person in the room, you've hit your lid. If you surround yourself with people that are more experienced, more seasoned, and have more education than you, and are actually maybe have more success than you, then you have room to grow as, as a human. And so one of my business coaches found out that I was Grover Dill. Like he didn't know in the beginning? Had no idea. No idea until like five and a half months in of a relationship until he decided to Google me one day. And he freaked out. He, he caught me on the phone. He's like, I am so angry with you. I'm like, oh my God, what did I do wrong now? <laughs> what now? <laughs> He's like, you didn't tell me you were Grover Dill. I was like, I don't just tell anybody and everybody that I'm Grover Dill. You know, it's not something that I do. If you find out, that's great. If somebody else tells you while I'm standing in front of you, that's awesome. But it's not something that I do is tell people, by the way, you love a Christmas story? It's kind of like what I do now, though. It's kind of weird. So anyways, he found out that I was Grover Dill. And he's a huge super fan. Wanted my autograph. So on <laughs> and so forth. And um, turned out that we had some deep conversations about the movie because it's been a part of his life, his whole life. And it has, it's literally, it's done some amazing things for him during his life, which it, it has for me as well. Like the Christmas story, that, that decision to say, okay, mom, I'll cut my hair was like, it, it has, it has created doors of opportunity that I would have never seen 10, 15, 20, 30 years later. For example, meeting my wife, right? Being reunited with the cast again, building that relationship back with them, meeting, you know, my, now my current business partner where it affected his life so much in a positive way where he was like, dude, like, do you know how many fans you have? Like, do you know, like in the Christmas story world, like you guys go on, you know, events two or three times a year and there's still hundreds if not millions of people out there that don't have that kind of opportunity to actually drive to an event because you're very limited of where we actually go because there's a whole, you know, uh, operations beside of that of making that happen. And I was like, yeah, I know. He was like, dude, do you have any idea the opportunity that, that you have to create something that could last 
forever and you could pass it on to your son if you wanted to like do you guys know like what kind of legends you really are like a christmas story cast like oh my god scott farkas flick peter grover dill like you have no idea how famous you are i was like you're right I, okay i don't know <laughs> i don't i'm just a humble dude you know what i mean i'm just a personal trainer man and <laughs> you know so um so he's the one that actually had the the inspiration to inspire me to create something that that nobody else has when it comes to the cast right and nobody else has been able or actually had the opportunity because of my relationship with everybody else you know, I can get on the phone with Zach and I can get on the phone with Scotty and I can get on the phone with Ian and I can get on the phone with Teddy and I can say, Hey, um, are you open to doing this? And he's either I got a 50, 50 chance. And most of the time when it comes from me, cause I'm kind of, I would say I'm kind of like the glue that holds everybody together. Um, they will, will do anything. And so when I, when I approached him about, you know, being a part of a community that gives the fans access to the cast and where we can create fun things to do and, and create contests and actually build a gift shop where we can sell our own autographs instead of people having to go to eBay or trying to get a hold of somebody through Facebook on, on the messenger and they never respond. You know what I mean? There was like, I kind of just cut out any kind of, actually I made, I, I paved the highway for fans to be able to be involved in a community where they can share their love for the movie. They can share all their collectibles. They can actually have fun with the cast and they can get involved in some fun things to do throughout the year. And so of course we have, this is like the beginning. This is only just barely in the year and a half. This is the second Christmas that we started. And um, we have uh, basically right now there's a 10 year plan, but really that 10 year plan is, is multiplied by three. So there is a 30-year plan that we actually have in place um, that is really going to expand what we do to be able to make this uh, a community of Christmas Story fans where they feel like literally like they feel like they are a part of the movie now instead of it being on the box in their living room and they're just watching the movie and laughing at it and resonating with it and and relating to it and sharing it with their kids now they have the opportunity to say they're actually my family now. Like literally if I wanted to, I can go to Facebook and I can tag them and I can, I can do things with them now. I mean, that kind of relationship mm -hmm. to have with the fans, millions of them is it, there's nothing like that that exists today. It's just a whole different concept. And so if we can make it work and grow it, then we're going to, to, we're going to do our best to make that happen. Yep. Oh, that's fun. So I have a question that goes along with everything you said, but it's a little divergent. Okay. It seems to me that you have um, keen intuition. Is that accurate? Okay. Uh, I, would, I would agree with that. At least, at least to my, what my recollection of my knowledge would be sure. My experience. Okay. That's yeah. that's how it, how it feels listening to you that that you use your intuition along with your education and motivation and all of that to vision something like you said your pavement of highway that hasn't been created until you started putting it together with all the different pieces and then your own 
intuition. Yes. Yes. And I think that that is directly connected because I'm highly intuitive, so it's easy for me to see it in somebody. But when you were talking about the earthquake and about the PTSD and the land melting, how you could feel the magnetic change before it happens, that's an intuitive gifted quality. It's not, not only about one or 2% of the people in the whole world have that kind of ability to tune in on that level. And so I find it very beautiful that you've gone through your whole life until recently, just kind of cruising along, not having the ego running the show of, oh my God, he's Grover Dill. He's this, I'm this, I'm that, you know? I think it's cool your business coach didn't know till, till he um, Googled you. Like when I go to work, because I work mostly with creative people, gifted creative people. So most of them are either musicians, artists, athletes, that kind of thing. And I, I know who they are. Like I, I do a little bit of homework, you know, maybe sure. not a lot, but at least a little bit to know mm-hmm. before I decide if I'm going to take them on as a client. So I think it's kind of funny that he waited to Google you and then went, oh, and I think it's a huge compliment to you that he didn't know until he found out on his own. And so I'm like, oh, those are qualities of somebody with um, an intuition or a some overexcitabilities of giftedness that show up in very beautiful ways that often get overlooked. And so I wanted to kind of bring that out because in real life, those of us who have these kinds of gifts or the creativity you have, all of it, the passion for health and body and the way it works and all of it is a skill set that kind of sets you up to be able to say, well, what neat thing can I build from all of these pieces? And so how do you maintain your discipline to see the vision and then stay on point to the best of your ability? What, what do you do to keep your discipline going? It's a great question. So on a daily basis, I, um, I study neurolinguistics. And I have a uh, current business coach by the name of Andy Murphy, who um, specializes in understanding how to bring yourself to different levels of, of brain waves so that you can pull yourself in and out of different states. Mm-hmm. Um, so my daily routine is the first thing that I wake up in the morning. Um, I replenish my body with water and I put on some guided meditation. Very first thing is I fill my brain with thankfulness, gratefulness. Uh, I focus on being in tune with mother nature, being grateful that what we have the opportunity to create has been gifted to us. But what doesn't, you know, for me, it doesn't matter if anybody's, you know, religious or what their beliefs are or what they've studied their entire life. Um, There is a source. And if that's what you want to call the source, then that's great. If you want to call it God, that's great. But in reality, it's very real. And when we have the ability to tap into that, um, whether it be somebody praying or whether just, just understanding different levels of, of, 
megahertz in your body, then it becomes, I would say it's, it's, it's rejuvenating to be able to not think about anything else, but focus on me as a human being in my creative space and being grateful for what I'm presented, which is another day of life. And then as I go through that meditation, which, you know, I, I take about 30 minutes every morning. Um, and then I am grateful for the body that I'm in. So I treat it well, I stretch it. And then I go to the gym and I work out. <laughs> and so that's my, I would say my, my way of keeping myself focused in that state of mind where I'm, I'm internally speaking with it's, it's for me, it's, it's a, it's a different level of consciousness. Most people will just work out for, you know, if they want to lose weight or they just work it out because they want to change the way their body looks. But for me, it's, it's, I am, I am, I am gifted. I'm, I'm giving back to the cells that, that create my body and I'm giving back to the life force that initiates the process for me to be able to live in this, this realm. And so that's what I do when I exercise is this whole thing goes on in my mind while I'm working out. And so I give it thanks by exercising, by taking care of this temple first. And then, um, then I come back and I shower and I make some food and I get focused on my day at hand. I read, you know, some, some quotes that I have around in my room and I look at my vision board and I turn on my mode of helping other people. I put myself at service to other people. And so that's kind of like my, my job right now is that <clears throat> I, I assist other people in becoming healthy. I work, I work remotely for a functional medicine practitioner. Um, and then I also have given myself to Christmas story family. And those are the two things that I've been, you know, really focusing on. And so that, that kind of letting go of what, you know, has been my, my driving force since I was probably 16 years old, 17 years old is making money to pay bills has shifted into just being at service to other people and taking care of, of me first so that I can, I can perform at my highest and be available to people when, mm-hmm. when they need it the most. Because if, if my body is not performing at its highest rate, then, then I'm not going to be able to supply enough energy to help people. It'll drain me. And so um, that's kind of my, my life right now is that's my routine. And I'm, I'm loving it. Like literally it's, it's opened up so many doors of opportunity. Like there's, I have, we, we, me, and when I say we, me and Emmanuel is my business partner. We have like just so many, so many things of opportunity are starting to pop up because of the Christmas story family. And we've, we've inspired other people to actually help them build their businesses as well. So it's like, you know, we're, we're creating such positive waves that um, people want to be, you know, they, they want to be a part of it. And so I think that that's amazing to me, right? Because that's in, in my experience of this short time that we have on this planet, that's what, that's what part of our purpose is, I believe, is to um, encourage, inspire the people to be the best versions of themselves. Because once we can all, or at least a lot of us can be in that, that energy or that zone, then um, we've, we've done our, or at least I've done my work for the day. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And then we get up so, and we do it again tomorrow. Exactly. That's, exactly. That is a beautiful description of 
the power of personal and self ongoing expansion yes. in our businesses when we, you know, a lot of us are entrepreneurs on the show, but our businesses can only expand to our level of our consciousness. Our business can't right. outgrow where we are. It's not possible. So right. the way you just described that is absolutely beautiful. Awesome. And Thank so, you. Um, you might want to rewind it and listen to it. <laughs> I know, right? right? Put, put, um, that in, put it in the headphones. <laughs> boy, am I really glad we're recording this. Yes. I just, you know, I had to say that because I get to listen to it over and over myself. It's <laughs> true. It's very true. So a Christmas story family is on Facebook, right? Yes. And because I already joined, I'm already part of the Christmas story family because Yay. my friend told me about it. And I'm like, well, I, I want to be part of the family. <laughs> and because I love the movie, see that, see your that what you just said mm -hmm. is within the hearts and spirit of millions of people that just don't know that we're here yet. They and just don't even, know it yet. And even before I loved the movie, because when I was growing up, I raced sailboats. So we were always oh, racing wow, sailboats. That's, that's fascinating, racing I've, sailboats. I've raced sailboats until about a year ago, and I still race here and there. But, um, huh. And that we were a water family, raised in Florida, in, in Sarasota, okay. racing sailboats every weekend, you know, going to Key West, wow. going around. I mean, like, a, competitive and very good. Like, I've won navigator surveys. Like, I'm an athlete nice. all over sailing, right? So there wasn't a lot of TV time. There wasn't a lot of movies. In sure. fact, my mother was, I, don't, I haven't said this story too much out loud, but my mom was a concert pianist and her deal growing up was that you either went to live theater or live performances and that movies were second rate. Sure, you didn't that's do awesome. movies, you did live performance. Okay. So I finally got to go to my first movie when I snuck when I was in college. <laughs> you know, all those kinds of things I look back on now and I think, well, this is kind of weird, but okay, it's, it's just part of the story. And I never really thought much about a Christmas story one way or the other until one of my friend, good friends, bought her boyfriend the lamp that you have right behind you for Christmas. And I'm like, what is going on with this? So then, of course, I, then when it came on, I watched it to see what they saw, right? I'm like, oh, I really love this movie, you know? And, I, and then since then, I've been this fan. So when I had the opportunity to invite you on the show, I seized it immediately because... I believe that when you watch the acting and you watch the whole picture of the story, I do not believe that there was one accident in the players cast as all of you guys. Like there's no accident in it, even if you didn't know it. And even if other people didn't know it, there is a reason. And there's a bigger reason why the movie bombed when it first came out. Like nobody really even cared. And now it's, if it doesn't already have one, it's about to have a cult following if it's not already there yet. And how beautiful is that in our consciousness and expansion of the world that people can come together around something beautiful and the story of it, the heart of it, you know? And um, I just think it's amazing. So I joined a Christmas story family and we'll make sure that the link is in the show notes so you guys can all join with me. Awesome. And then... Um, because you're going to get to hear other interviews on this show from others of the cast. And so yes. what's really fun is how tight everyone is and how amazing you guys are. Totally amazing. Mm -hmm. So I have another cu couple questions if you have sure. a minute sure. um, that are kind of related, but not really. I okay. would like to know if you've ever had 
challenges in your life with procrastination? <laughs> oh, procrastination. Um, yes, I, I am 100% guilty of procrastination in my life. Um, and I could tell you it was, it was a very good learning experience for me as a kid. Um, because it was, it was part of my learning experience. So my, I'm going to rewind all the way back when I was a child, because this is when it actually started happening. And if nobody can ever admit that they were procrastinating when they were a kid, they're lying to you. <laughs> True. <laughs> So, so, um, my, my father passed when I was five and a half years old mm. and, um, my mom was left on her own to raise two girls and myself by herself. And that's when life like really handed me responsibility, um, and, and being accountable and doing my chores and, making my bed every day and making sure that I cleaned myself. And because, you know, as a boy, you know, boys are gross when they're, when they're young and I loved to play. Like I was in the mud, you know, I was in gymnastics, I was in baseball and my mom, you know, was, was a, she was a, she was a soldier for still, you know, being able to give me the opportunity to be in sports when I was a kid. And then when I was exposed to the ocean, when I was seven, eight years old, I fell in love with surfing. That was like my, my world besides martial arts. And so when it came to my yard work, because literally I, we lived on a half acre and that half acre of weeds was my responsibility. And if there were weeds on that half acre of land or acre of land, closer to an acre I, I the the my extracurricular activity slowly started fading away because i didn't i had to go do weeds instead so it taught me that regardless of what i want to do in life there are still responsibilities that need to be taken care of and and back in those days i didn't I was just pissed off that I had to pick weeds. Nobody, you know, I didn't really understand what the learning journey was in that until I was older, right? Until I had to start taking care of myself. And so um, that, that taught me a lot because I was the biggest procrastinator. Like literally if I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't make my bed, I would, it wouldn't even want to take a shower because I wanted to go surf. You know what I mean? I was like, no, I'd rather do this. And I'm, and so that, that was probably the biggest time in my life that I was a procrastinator was when I was a child because I didn't want to pick weeds and no kid really does. And it's a very different life today, right? I mean, we have the way that uh, I would say I was raised, which a majority of kids were raised back in the late seventies and the early eighties and even before seventies, right? Before cell phones, before iPads, before the internet, um, before this very fast paced world. I mean, even being able to drive through a restaurant was like, it didn't exist. Like you had to go to a deli or you had to go home. There's like no other two places you can actually go to eat. Uh, not unless if you were lucky and you hit like a Baskin and Robbins and ate nothing but ice cream and brownies. Right. 
Um, so that was a, a different learning experience for me was that my procrastination, it, it took away the things that I wanted to do that were most special to me in life. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned that um, if, I, if I don't take care of the little things that are important, like taking out the trash, <laughs> washing dishes, uh, doing laundry, doing the paying bills, like doing all the things that are essential for life to continue to move forward, I'm not going to be able to thrive in what I really wanted, what I would love to do more effectively. So that's my little procrastination story. Yeah. So procrastination um, is a, it's a cycle that will, um, that'll take a hold of you if you're not aware, because usually procrastination, procrastination means lack of motivation, right? Lack of motivation means there's something that's, that's causing your body to tell your mind or vice versa, I don't want, I don't want, or I can't, I can't. And when that, that negative self-talk starts taking over, you're, you're shutting down doors of opportunity all the way around you. Like you're, you're creating that, that energy that's um, not conducive. So it's, it's what's, what rings true for me is that when we are what we believe and when we continue to profess certain things in our minds that comes out of our mouth, that's what we're going to attract. And we're a magnet for, I can't, I can't, I can't. We're a magnet for, I can't, I can't, I can So. It's true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. So a Christmas story family happens all the time, all year long. It's not just a Christmas. Correct. And brings joy of Christmas to any time of year, which I think is a really beautiful thing. And I think sometimes in this world where it's tricky out there, especially for sensitive people or people who want to feel connected and maybe don't have a lot of connection for whatever reason, it's a way to feel connected to people who get what it's like and understand. So if you're not already on the Facebook page for a Christmas story family, then, and you're listening to this podcast and you hear my voice, go there right now and become part of the family with me because I'm part of it already. (laughs) Right? So is, I could talk to you forever, but I'm not going to hold you up forever. (laughs) Uh, So is there anything that you wanted to say today that I like missed or came to your mind and you want to say it so that when we're all done, you feel totally like, yes, complete. The only thing that I would like to add is that it's beautiful how everything happens for a reason when you, or when I have noticed how I always course correct. Now, when I say you, 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 I bring it back to me because in my experience, when I bring it with me, then people can either resonate with it or, or not. It's their choice. And when we open ourselves up to the flow of life, then magical things start happening. And as part of that whole flow, Christmas Story family was one thing that transpired. But now, just to drop a seed, is that we're starting to create a TV show. And so that is something that is in the works. Uh, we have been talking to a lot of different people uh, because that is, that is a, a huge, you know, um, undertaking. And so this is just something that um, has inspired us to be able to do which avenue 
we have a lot of different ideas of how we want to make it super fun for the Christmas Story family. It's not necessarily like we want to go, you know, big network. That's not not the case. The case is that we want to be able to do something that is so super fun for the Christmas Story family group that we can start there. And when it becomes a part of everybody's, uh, I would say, thought process about what Christmas means to them, mm-hmm. and we we establish ourselves and we got something really good and, and the family believes that this is something good, then maybe we'll think about, you know, taking it to a next level. But this is really something to give back to the fans because that's something that something that I want to do on a bigger level, right? Because a Christmas story movie gives a lot to the fans. When we as the cast go to specific places and do autograph signings, we we're there to be there for the fans. But the, the truth is, is that once we meet this person, we make it surreal in the moment for them. And then that's kind of like it, right? It's kind of like a one night stand type of thing. <laughs> Right. Where it's like, oh, my God, that was such a great experience 15 years ago. And it's like we as or myself, I don't have the opportunity to say, Susan, how's your son doing? When I met him, he was like three months old. He's got to be like seven now. Right. So, I mean, all those things are what is for, for fans of the movie is like. Mind blowing to be able to have somebody that was part of something special for them to be able to be integrated into their life and their family. And so that's kind of like the path of this thought about a TV series is to integrate, start getting, getting the fans involved um, and being, being a part of something bigger than just, just the movie. Now, you know, there are, there are a lot of things. There's the the Christmas story musical, which I don't know if you've seen it. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, They put that production together and it is, I mean, literally it's, it's, it was mind blowing. The first time we saw it in, in Kansas, when it first came out, it was just awesome there's Brian Jones who owns a Christmas story house, right? I mean, he was an innovator. Why? Because it spoke to him. He loved the movie so much that he was like, I want one of those in my living room. Mm -hmm. Like he was the first innovator to say that. Right. And so he went as so far as to doing what he did for the house, rebuilding it, remodeling it, helping to, to give back to the community around it so that people actually had I would say a, a, a better experience, right? Because when he first bought the house 20 years ago, that neighborhood was, it was like nobody wanted to drive up there and park their car <laughs> and walk right. away from their car, right? right? And so he has done so much good. And so, I mean, if anybody and everybody has not been to the house, I highly recommend you go through that experience. Why? Because it's also going to be able to bring it back home to you. You're in the house, of the most famous movie that, that you love the most Christmas story. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's different avenues that people were innovative enough and creative enough to come to fruition. And so nobody else has done this for the fans. Like I have to bring the opportunity to be closer to the, to the cast. And so I think that, um, since literally the cast, is the movie that we have a, a, a big potential to be able to make a big difference in, in a lot of people. Oh, so That's yeah. beautiful. And you just described one of the things that I like to drive home with all of my interviews is that 
multidimensionality of people. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, those entertainment people, there's nothing to them, or that's just all they do. And, and, you know, and all of that. And it's really furthest thing from the truth. And yes, in, in every group, you could, you could say that here and there to about one thing or the other, but my whole work is with people who are in entertainment and everyone ha is multidimensional, multifaceted yeah. with a yeah. heart and a compassion that I think it's missed by the popular public because of the veil of stardom, sure. you know, or whatever. And so yeah. listening to you speak and, and um, earlier today, I got to speak to Zach and his show's coming out too. And um, everyone who listens to these shows will start really seeing that there's more of a heart than maybe some people judge. So I'm really glad you shared that that way. Awesome. So Yano, thank you for being on the show today. Yes, thank you and for having me. I have one last question for you. Yes. It's my favorite end question. And that is, we're going to put a billboard up that the whole world's going to see. Wow. Your quote on it. What's your quote you're going to put on your billboard the whole world's going to see? Oh, my God. Well, um, that is a great question. So I, I've, there's the quote that there's like three quotes that I, that I usually use, right? First one is how'd you like a snowball sandwich uh -huh. that could be used in a lot of different ways. Um, then there's not your aunt Tilly. Oh, not really much, but the one that says, all right, who's next? That can can mean so many different things. Good one. Yeah. That um, I, I love that quote because uh, it's it's you know through my life how my life has changed it means a lot of different things and right now when I say all right who's next it's like who's who's the one that's going to be next to open their lives up to change to elevating their consciousness to opening themselves up to the doors of opportunity to accept who they are um, and be willing to serve and open up themselves to others. Beautiful. Oh. So, all right. Who's next? Perfectly said. Who's next? I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show and spending all this time sharing such great value and wisdom and inspiration. I know I'm really inspired and I can't wait to hear us talk again. So awesome. thank you so much. Yes, it's my so pleasure. If you, if you love everything that Yano's been saying, then make sure that you join the Facebook A Christmas Story family and follow him in other areas of social media because he's a really dynamic man with a big heart. And so remember everybody, put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star you're here on purpose with a purpose and so till the next episode of someone gets me be well thank you for listening i trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information please join me and other visionaries in the someone gets me facebook group or for more information on my services and additional episodes visit someonegetsme.com again thanks for listening